0: Guys, all right, hey, uh, we're gonna jump in uh, in just a second, but before we jump into the, uh, to the sermon today, I wanna say really quick, and we've talked about it for the past couple of weeks, that life groups kick off today, all right? So life groups kick off uh, this week, actually tonight at 6.15, right here in this building, uh, our Growth Track 101 and 201 groups. If, I'm leading the Growth Track 201 life group. We're actually gonna meet right here in this room, but if you signed up for those and listen... Listen. If you are parents of preschool through elementary age, man, this, this semester we are starting something uh, specifically with you in mind. All right, because we want to try to help uh, as many people as possible get connected. So tonight at six fifteen, not only are there life groups meeting in this building, but we're also in the Summit Kids area starting Team Kid. That will go on every single Sunday at six fifteen for preschool. That's preschool and kindergarten together in a group, and then first through fifth graders, elementary kids in a group right over there in the Summit Kids area. That's tonight at 6.15, all right? Now, listen, if you haven't signed up for a group, uh, man, listen, guys, I'm telling you, you're not going to regret it if you do. You can sign up today after church at the welcome table or open up the app. You can sign up right now for a life group this morning. Guys, we're going to pray, and uh, we're going to ask God to do something really special right here in this room. All right, So, so let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, I believe that right now, I believe that you can do something over the next few minutes that will leave us changed forever. And so, God, I pray that you would start something right here in this room today that will leave our church different. I pray, God, that, that you would change the way we think about our lives, change the way we think about what it means to be the church. God, do something that sticks today. We believe that you can do that. God, I pray, God, there are people here today and they do not have a relationship with you. Do whatever it takes to save them today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, well, today we are wrapping up our series that we've been in for six weeks. We've been in a series for six weeks called The Code, and what we've done every week in this series, we've talked about uh, really our church's core values, what drives our church, what motivates our church, and in week one of this series, I said that one of my goals over the next six weeks is to help us to see that the church is not something separate from who we are. It is who we are, okay? So the church is not something that you go to. If you're a Christian, you are the church. And so everything that we've talked about in this series, if if it matters to the church, it matters to us because we are the what? You tell me. We're the church. So people matter. That was part one. If people matter to the church, then people matter to me because we are the what? We're the church. Last week, next generation matters. Now, if the next generation matters now to our church, it matters to us because we are the what? We're the church. And so today, we are wrapping up, uh, wrapping up this series. And the title of the sermon today, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to unpack it because it probably will make no sense. All right. But the title for today, the last part of the series, the code. Today, we are talking about we don't maintain, we multiply. We don't maintain, we multiply. And we're going to get to uh, three things that I think that God uh, wants our church to begin to, praying on a, uh, begin to pray together on a regular basis. But before we get there, honestly, uh, before we get there this morning, I want to uh, lead us in a Bible study. Real quick, can we do a Bible study this morning? Can I lead you in a Bible study? really doesn't matter what you say. I have the mic, and that's what's in my notes is to do this. So that's what we're going to do, all right? But before we jump in, I want, I want to ask you a question. And by the way, if you want to open up your Bible, you can. You can turn it on on your phone, Matthew chapter 28, all right? Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is where we're going to be at this morning. But I want to ask you a question as you're looking that up on your phone or however you're finding those verses. I want you to imagine that you're Jesus, Okay, now that's a stretch for a lot. That's a stretch, right? It's a stretch. But imagine that you are Jesus Christ and you have the job of starting Christianity. See, Jesus was born, we celebrate that every Christmas, and then he lived the life. Most uh, Bible scholars, theologians, we don't know what Jesus did growing up. The Bible doesn't tell us about what Jesus was like when he was a teenager. But most people believe that Jesus started his earthly ministry around the age of 30. He was crucified at the age of 33, so about three years, Jesus had his earthly ministry. So I want you to imagine you're Jesus at the age of 30, and you've got three years to launch Christianity, What would you do? I mean, imagine that. Imagine that you are Jesus. You have three years to launch Christianity, spread to the world, the message of salvation. They can have a relationship with God. You're going to launch Christianity. So how would you do that? Listen, I don't know about you, but if that was me, I would start to run around like a chicken with his head cut off. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I would have Billy Graham crusades. I would, listen, you're God, so I would create social media 2,000 years ago and just start telling everybody on social media about how they can have salvation. I would hire a team of strategists and marketers to help get the message out. I, I don't know what you would do if you were Jesus and you had three years to start Christianity, but here's what I can guarantee I can guarantee that none of us would do what Jesus did. Because Jesus had three years to launch Christianity, and what did he do? How did he do it? He did it by picking 12 guys and hanging out with them most of his life. Think about that. Jesus came, and he has three years. He knows he's got this really brief window of time where he's going to launch Christianity I mean that's a big deal right I don't know how busy you are what kind of deadlines you've got but bro that's a deadline right there okay he's got this really brief time period three years that's all he's going to get and how does Jesus go about launching Christianity he picks 12 men and invests in them In fact, the first year of Jesus' ministry, the first year of Jesus' ministry mainly was picking those 12 guys. If you have a church background or not, you know the 12 disciples, right? Now, you might not be able to name them. Okay, that's cool. I can't name them all. That's totally fine. But you've heard of the 12 disciples. So Jesus' first year in ministry, he picks those 12. In fact, let me show you what it was like when Jesus would pick uh, some of the 12 disciples. If you've got a Bible, real quick, turn over in the same book, Book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, and look at this, I think these verses are going to be on the screen, says this, while walking by the sea of Galilee, he, that's Jesus, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately, everybody say immediately immediately they left their nets and followed him. So Jesus didn't call pastors. Jesus didn't call Bible scholars or theologians. No, Jesus walked up to fishermen and invited them to follow him. Some were fishermen, some were tax collectors, but these were normal, everyday guys. And how does Jesus change the world? Eleven men. Why eleven? Because one is going to betray him, right? Judas is going to betray Jesus. Judas is the reason that Jesus ultimately is led to the cross. He sells Jesus out. How does Jesus change the world? Eleven men. In fact, right before Jesus goes to heaven, Jesus' last words, I mean, these are the last words Jesus knows he's going to give. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to give my last words, I'm going to make them count, aren't you? Jesus' last words before he ascends back to heaven are Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus says this, to the 11 disciples, probably some more there. At most, it was 120. But we definitely know the 11 disciples are right there. And Jesus gives them these last words. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, everybody say go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus says, guys, listen, I'm about to go back to heaven, but here is how this is going to go worldwide. You need to reproduce yourself in the lives of other people. For these last three years, Jesus had told them the idea of disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Jesus. Jesus. So if you're a Christian, you're a disciple. I'm a disciple. I'm a Christian. Disciples are followers of Jesus. And Jesus, over those three years with those disciples, he gave them the idea that disciples make other disciples. Disciples multiply themselves in the lives of other people. They go about and they share the gospel and they also spread the message. Listen, Jesus has saved you. Now you need to go tell somebody else that message. And then they need to go tell somebody else that message and tell somebody else and tell somebody else. And that's exactly what happens. So you read the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is essentially the story of how the church spreads worldwide. And listen, the way that the church spreads worldwide, yeah, I mean, there are professional pastors like Peter preaches a sermon in Acts 2 and 3,000 people get saved, but that's not the majority of how it spread. The main way the church spread in the book of Acts is normal everyday Christians like you and me They're just going to work, they're hanging out with their kids, they're living their life, and as they went, they told people about Jesus, and then those people got saved, and then other people told other people about Jesus, and the message spread. And so what happens is it's just this idea of disciples making other disciples, people are multiplying themselves in the lives of other people, and Christianity spreads worldwide. I mean, the proof that this works is that 2,000 years later, here we are in Hazard, Kentucky, on the other side of the world, we are worshiping Jesus, we are praising Jesus, we can tell other people about Jesus. Why? Because 2,000 years before any of us were born, Jesus got 11 men and invested in them and told them, now you need to go tell other people who will tell other people who will tell other people, and we will change the world. That's how it starts. That's how it happened. That's why we're here. The church in the book of Acts, listen, there was no mega church in the book of Acts. There's mega churches today, thousands of people go, there was no mega church in the book of Acts. Instead, what churches did in the book of Acts is there would be one church and they said, you know what, down the street, in the other side of town, across this, uh, somewhere else in the world, there are people who need to hear about Jesus. So what churches did in the book of Acts, churches started other churches. They just would plant other churches. They would start other churches, and then those churches would start other churches. Who would start other churches? Who would start other churches? And here we are. Jesus says, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. Disciples make disciples. We don't maintain. Listen to me, listen to me. Jesus never told anybody to maintain this private personal relationship with Jesus where all you do is pray, read your Bible, go to church, not cuss, and vote family values. Instead, what Jesus said is, go into all the world and make disciples. He wants us to multiply. See, Christians are a lot like gremlins. Anybody know what gremlins are? Is there a child of the 80s that would say gremlins is one of the best movies ever made? It's in my top 10. I love that movie. And listen, here, listen, I'm talking to somebody. Somebody just woke up. You, you know there's three rules for gremlins, right? There's only three rules. You, you, you can't feed them after midnight, right? You can't feed them after midnight. Do not Listen, if you have a gremlin, don't feed it after midnight. No bright lights. Anybody know the last one? Don't get them wet because when you get them wet, what happens? Gizmo what? Multiplies, right? Right. See, some of y'all are way too holy for that. You're just watching Jesus movies and praying all the time. But that just that. But I'm telling you, there's some good stuff out there. All right. Jesus says, hey, listen, you're like gremlins. You get them wet and they multiply. Jesus wants us to multiply and take this world. What? Maybe you're not catching on with me. Let's 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 play this way. Let's play this. The population of Perry County, all right? Well, let me give you one more verse. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. I think it's going to be on here. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. I just love this, if they can go back to it. It says this. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The church what? What's that last word? The church multiplied. Let's break this down. Let's help us understand. Population of Perry County, according to the 2013 census, all right? According to the 2013 census, population of Perry County, twenty-eight thousand ten people. All right, 28,010 people. Now, a couple of years ago, the Kentucky Baptist Convention did a study of Perry County and all the surrounding counties. They discovered, based off of that study, that about 80% of Perry County and every surrounding county, 80% is not involved in a church at all. Okay? 80% of Perry County not involved in a church in any way, shape, or form. So take that break it down to about 80%. Now, Let's say 80% of the 28,000, 10 people, they're not involved in church. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. Now, every week here at Summit Community Church, we have between four to 500 people every single Sunday. That's awesome. We praise God for it, all right? Every week, we have four to 500 people here every week. Literally, we do, all right? So, so let's just pretend this. Let's pretend, let's just meet in the middle. Let's say every Sunday there's 450 people here, all right? Let's say every Sunday there's 450 people that come to this church, and let's say that over the course of one year, okay, over the course of one year, let's say that by September the 13th, 2016, all 450 of us, by God's power working through our lives, let's make it a goal where every single person, all 450 of us, will lead one person to Jesus, okay, okay? So in a year, we multiply ourselves. We reproduce ourselves in the life of somebody else. Did you know that in one year, if we all did that, said, I'm just going to lead one person to Jesus, and they're going to be here next year. What's that look to? Like? What's that look like? there would be 900 people here next year. And then let's say after that, all 900 of us had this idea, hey, you know what? It's not about our own personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants us to multiply. So in a year, in another year, we multiplied ourselves. That means in two years, there'd be 1,800 people. If we kept doing that, three years, 3,600. Four, in four years, 72. Uh, yeah, you can track that down. Look at the very last year there. Five, year year uh, five or six, 28,800 people. That is more than the population of Perry County. What's that mean? What that means is this. If we take Jesus' idea seriously, that it's not about my relationship with Jesus. I clock in, I clock out of church, and I go home. No, Jesus wants me to multiply. If I take that idea seriously, we could reach Perry County in five years. Think about that. In five years, we could reach this whole county. Next year, we're going to launch a campus of our church in Whitesburg. But imagine this. Imagine if. Imagine if starting next year and every year after that, our church, we started a church somewhere in this region every year, starting next year with Summit Weitzburg, and every year we started a church somewhere in this region, and one of the core values of that church was that that church was also going to reproduce. So beginning next year, we started churches that started other churches that started other churches in 10 years. If we did that starting next year, in 10 years, there would be 1,023 brand new churches that are driven by the gospel, that are fueled by hope, that are giving life to this region. Imagine what eastern Kentucky might look like if we did that. That fires me up. I don't know if that fires anybody else up. But the possibility of you and I making that much of a difference... If we would say, you know what, God, this is not about me and my relationship with you. I'm going to multiply myself. I love there's a guy named David Platt. David Platt has this prayer. He says, Lord, let me make a difference for you that is utterly disproportionate to who I am. Is there anybody that wants to be a part of something like that? My hand is up. Anybody else? My hand is honestly up. I want to be a part of that right there. Right now, we're in the middle of a season of praying and fasting, and I think that there's three things that God would want us to pray together as a church. I think there's three things that Jesus would want us to pray. As we're talking about this idea of multiplying ourselves, Jesus, here's my life. Use me to make a difference that is utterly disproportionate to who I am. I think that God would want you and I, if we were really going to do that, to begin to pray three things on a regular basis. And the first thing that God would want us to pray is break us. God, break us. Break us as a church. Break us as individuals. Break us for what? For people. Break my heart for people. See, I don't know about you. I can't speak for you. There's a a lot of people here today but i lay my cards on the table, and I think that if, you're come, if you've come enough, you know this about me. I really do believe that heaven and hell are literal places. It's not a state of mind. It's not something figurative. I believe that just as much as hazard Kentucky is real, hell is real. I believe that just as real as that chair you're in, there is heaven. Okay? And I believe that people really do go for eternity to one of those two places. And I do believe that without Jesus, people really do go to hell for eternity. And that's not fun to say. And that's not popular. And that doesn't make any of us feel good, but it's true. It's true. See, when the disciples saw a crowd, they just saw people, but there are times over and over in the Gospels, Jesus would see a crowd, he would weep. Let me ask you something. Does it do anything to you, the thought of people going to hell? Does it? Does it bother you? Well, Mark, no, it doesn't. Mark, I I believe that. I'm there, but Mark, it honestly doesn't. See, we need to pray, God, would you break us? Some of us, let's just be very honest this morning, some of us, we need to go to God and we need to ask God to break us because we love safety more than Jesus. We're so afraid of what people might say to us, how they might respond, how they might laugh at us. We've never told the people closest to us the difference that God's made in our lives and we need to go to God and say, God, you've known it for a long time, but I need to admit that I love safety more than you. Some of us need to go to God right now. We need to say, God, would you break me because I love this world more than heaven? God, I'm so caught up in stuff and just having the latest and the greatest. And the iPhone 6S Plus 27, I don't know. I lost count. And the iPad Pro that you can only take somewhere by strapping it on your roof of the car. And I just need the latest outfits and the latest stuff, and I just need more, and I just love stuff. Some of us, we just need to go to God and say, God, I am sorry because I love the world more than you. That's what we mean when we say, God, break us. I am sorry, God. God, I am repenting right now. I have sin in my life. God, I don't feel anything about hell. I don't feel anything about people going there. God, something is wrong inside of me. Listen, maybe you need to ask God to forgive you for pride. I don't know what it is, but see, when God breaks us, God doesn't break us and then leave us broken. Every single time God breaks one of his children, he does it to make us more like Jesus. So God's going to make us into something that's better than who we are right now. Being broken is hard, but it leaves us more like Christ. So maybe you got to go to God today and say, God, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm coming to church, and I know the answers, but i got sin in my life. Maybe that is where you're at today. God, I'm playing around with sin. And nobody knows it, but you know it. God, I need to get out of it today. Say, God, God, break us. But the second thing that, that we need to pray is, God, consume us. God, would you consume us? In the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, Jesus writes a a series of letters to seven churches, and one of them in Revelation 3 is the letter to a church in a city named Laodicea. And in the city of Laodicea, Jesus says to that church, listen, you guys are serving the community. You're doing a lot of great things, but I have this against you. You are lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm. Listen, I love, I said this a couple weeks ago, I love coffee. Have you ever drank some lukewarm coffee? Oh, my gosh. What? It's awful. Like, have you ever, I mean, you're drinking coffee and you're working and then you go back later to get a drink of that coffee and it's lukewarm. What do you do? You spit it out of your mouth, right, and then blame the mess on the kids. At least that's what I do. Right? You, oh, it's so... Gross. And Jesus says, listen, I wish you were hot or cold because if you don't pick one of those, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That doesn't mean we lose our salvation, but what it means is God cares about your passions. Man, he cares about your fire for him. Consume us. What do we mean? I'm talking about passion for God. I'm talking about excitement for God. I'm talking about zeal for God. And yeah, man, it's awesome that UK football is 2-0. Praise the Lord. No kidding, it's awesome, man. You should listen, if that fires you up, bro, if that fires you up, dude. I'm fired up that on December 18th, a new Star Wars movie comes out. And if you don't think I ain't gonna go to the movies dressed up as an Ewok, you got another thing coming. I'm fired up, dude. I might be wearing some Star Wars underoos right now. You don't know. Fired up. That just came to me. I probably should not have said that upon further reflection. Sorry. Sorry, I just, sometimes I just get caught up in the moment. Burge it, right? Hey, you're fired up about exercise, man. That's awesome. You're fired up about eating right. That's awesome. You're fired up about, man, you, it's, it's great. That's awesome. Can you save some of that for God? <laughs> can, can you save some of that passion for Jesus Christ? I mean, listen, if there is anything to be excited and fired up about, it's the fact that the God of heaven has set you free, that he has given you a second chance, that he's forgiven you for your sin, that he promises to work all things together for the good, that he's put, you, put together a whole book called The Word of God, and every promise in that book was bought by Jesus Christ. You can build your life on it. What is there more to be fired up about than that? Does it sound like you? Does it? Mark, it does not. It doesn't. Man, Mark, I am going through the motions. Mark, I feel ice cold spiritually. Hey, maybe you need to pray Psalm 51 verse 12. It just simply says this, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I want my joy back. I want my fire back. I want my passion back. We're praying and fasting right now. Are you so desperate to experience God again, that you would skip a meal for it? Are you so desperate to experience God again that you would skip that TV show for one night and spend that time praying, begging God, God, would you make me fired up again? Would you give me some joy again? Consume us. God, break us and consume us and then use us. Use us. Use us right here in Perry County. Use us right here in this region, eastern Kentucky, where so many Christians, God's people, people of faith, the people of hope, have ridden this region off, man. It's as if God's already hung the Ichabod sign all over eastern Kentucky. The glory is left. all oh, burn it down. Right? There's nothing good. Come, this, it's over. This will be a ghost town. It's awful. The future is so dark. Blah, blah, blah. Right? Listen, I've been around church long enough to know that earlier when we were talking about reaching Perry County in five years and all of us multiplying ourselves, I've been around church long enough to know that there was somebody in this room, you looked at that and you said, whatever. That'll that'll never happen. Never seen it. Never seen that. Hey, maybe the reason you've never seen it is because you don't believe God could do it anyway and he was going to do it through you, but instead he moved on to somebody that did believe him. My Bible says nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Listen, the power of God underneath the hood, we could reach Perry County this week. God could send a revival this week that would break every addiction, every chain, and absolutely revolutionize this region for generations to come. He could do it this week. And isn't that what we're praying for? If it's Listen, listen, I share this with my wife. I'll tell you what I'm fasting from. Cookies. Because I love, man, I'm like addicted to Oreos. If you could crush them and snort them, I'd probably do it. Been a long time. It's been a long time, man. It has. I've talked to people, you're fasting from like 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 days on end. Or TV, like you're fasting from significant things. Hey, listen, if you don't really believe God's going to do something anyway, let me know so that I can quit yelling like this. We can all go about our lives as anyway. But I believe that we've come together and we're praying and fasting for 40 days of what? Revival. Change that God would do something. Why can't God use us to reach this region? Why can't He? Why can't God use you to reach your school? Why can't God use you to reach where you work? Listen, I love this church, but some of we are fooling ourselves if we think there is a version of Christianity where going is an option. It's not an option, it's not an option. It all comes down to you and I being available. Say, God, break me and consume me and God, use me. Because we don't want to maintain this small relationship with God when Jesus is calling us to multiply and change the world. And see, you praying that God would use you for some of you this is the hardest time of your life. This is the darkest thing that you've ever that your family has ever walked through. And for you to pray, God, use me. What that would look like? It might just look like you you not walking away from God and instead of your faith dying, it grows and as the world watches who knows what you're going through, they look at that and they say, "Man, if God can do that in them, he can do that in me." If God can give them hope, if they won't quit, then what could happen in my life? So God, using you in the middle of your trial might just mean he gives you the strength to stand every day. But we don't want to maintain this when God is calling us to multiply and change the world. Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me, dear Jesus, right now? We just want to have a moment of real honesty with you, God. Because we need you, I need you, our church needs you. We don't want to show up and just do church and then go home like we've always done. Or maybe like what we're used to. Maybe there was a time when we were just consumed with zeal and we haven't been there for years. God, maybe sin has crept into our lives or just something's crept in. God, we need you to break us again. We need you to remind us, God, you want to use Us. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, you know, normally I have the band come up here and play, and I don't, you know what? Can we get the lights turned back up again? Let's turn the lights back up. Let's leave them right there. I asked the band, I said, I I would like for no music today at the end. And what do you need to ask God to do in your life today? I'm not going to embarrass you i just like to pray for you. If you're here and you say, I need, to, I, I need to ask God to break me today, would you raise your hand? I need to ask God to break me for some things. Raise your hand up right now. There's hands. There's some more hands. There's hands right there, all up in the middle, right here on the side, right here to my, to my right are hands. Just raise your hand. Just raise it there. Hold it there so I can pray for you. That's all. I need God to break me from, and God knows, hands are going up. Families' hands are going up together. Praise God. Put those hands down. How many of you would say, I need God to consume me? I'll be honest, I'm ice cold, I'm going through the motions, and I want fire back for God. Raise your hand up right now, just raise your hand. I want that passion back, I want that zeal back. Raise your hand up right now. Just raise it up, praise God. Hands are going up all over this room. Just go ahead and put your hands down. You would say, I want God to use my life. Raise, Raise your hand right now. I want God to use my life. Jesus, here am I, I want you to use me. Just raise your hand. Praise God. Go ahead and put your hands down. Jesus has seen every hand. Jesus, thank you that you see every hand. You know every life. You know how you're at work here today. I pray that you would break us. Forgive us for sin. Forgive us for going through the motions. And use us. Consume us again, God. I want to ask you very quickly before we do something. See, before God can use you, before God can consume you, he needs to break you from your sin for the very first time. And for the very first time, you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, make him your Lord, and say, Jesus, I want to have a relationship with you. Let me ask you a question. Are you today a follower of Jesus? Are you a disciple Do you have a relationship with him? I'm not asking you if you believe that he's real or if you come to church. I'm asking you, have you went to God and said, God, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved and Jesus, I'm done living for me, I wanna live for you. Have you done that? If you've never done that, if you've never done that, then today God brought you here so that you can give your life to him. If you are here today and you are not a Christian, all you need to do is to pray and ask Jesus Christ to save you, to change you forever and he will. In fact, if you are here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, and today's the day you want to be saved, you want to have the assurance that when you die, you'll go to heaven, and you want him to change your life starting here, right now, and forever. I'm gonna count to three, and as soon as I say three, would you just raise your hand right now to simply say, today, I want to be saved. One, two, three, raise your hand right now. Today, you want to be saved. There's a hand right there. Anyone else, raise your hand. Anyone else, God bless you for that hand. Anyone else, put your hand up high in the air. God bless you. And listen, before you leave today, go ahead and put your hands down. Before you leave today, I want you to let somebody know about what God has done in your life. Let somebody know. You can check that box on the back of your connection card that says that I gave my life to Christ. But here's what I want to do. And here's how we're going to close today and and we're done. I want us all collectively as a church to pray that God would break us and consume us and use us. And so right now, Uh, We've only done this two times, I think, but I want to do this. It's messy, uh, but it's worth it. And so I want us all to stand, and we're going to get together in a circle right around this auditorium. We're going to join hands, and we're going to pray that God would break us and consume us and use us, and then we're going to leave, all right? Then we're dismissed. So let's just wrap all the way around. Some of us, you're going to have to move, and you're going to have to get real creative, I would say make a circle, but that's absolutely impossible. So make something where we're all connected. All right? So go ahead and grab some hands here. And ask God to do something significant, significant. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this time today. We just praise you for the message that we just heard. Dear Lord, I just ask that you just sweep over this place, touch every single heart, light a fire in us again, that we will want to go out in this fine city and do your work to change lives, to bring people in, to bring people to restore families, to break drug addictions, to, to just heal Heal this this city and this region and this county, dear Lord. Set a fire in us anew. Let us have that passion once again and bring back the joy, dear Lord. Just fill our hearts with your presence. It's in Jesus'
1: name I pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the wonderful message that we've heard here today. And the thing that we need, God, most of all is that you would forgive us of the sins that are in our lives. And that we would quit thinking more of the worldly stuff and more of the heavenly stuff as the disciples did. That we would be impactful in this community and in this region. God, today consume us, break us, fill us with your spirit. And that we're focused on what your will is and not ours. And God, that you would fill our hearts up. That we would be willing to serve like we've never served before. That you would unite this church. And that you would make it stronger than it ever has been. Lord, that we can multiply. And that we can just go from not only in Hazard, but throughout the whole county. And that we can reach the 28,000, Lord. And beyond that, bless the campus today that we'll start in Whitesburg. But right now, we seek your spirit. Lord, those that need to be prayed for today, Psalms 51. Create in us a clean heart. And renew our spirit today. Lord, breathe life into the dry bones. Bring us to life so that we may serve you and that we may realize today that we're more than conquerors because of Jesus Christ, that there's an empty tomb today and that we can celebrate that. And God, that we can live for you and we can go and we can do things that some people think is impossible because we know that you are a God that can do possible things. And God, we just lay our troubles at your feet today. We lay our struggles at your feet today and we say, God, break us. God, consume us and God, use us, and we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
0: Dear Jesus, right now, just as we are about to depart, God, I pray that, that this sticks with us. I pray that this would not depart from us. God, all this week and months and years, God, would you break us? God, would you show us this afternoon and this week, Jesus' areas we've got to work on, we've got to confess, we need your spirit to invade and set us free. God, would you consume us with passion for you again, fire and excitement, zeal for you. God, a zeal to reach people, a passion to reach people for Christ, and God, use us. Use us in this region. Use us in every neighborhood, in every school, in every place of business. God, wherever there's a need, God, let the light of, the, of Christ shine through our lives. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey. Guys, listen, God bless you so much for being here today. Some of you made a decision for Christ today and gave him your life. Hey, would you check that box on the back of the card? Man, give that to one of our volunteers on your way out. Take it to the welcome table. Just don't leave until you tell somebody what you did. Love for you to come back tonight at 6.15 for life groups. Guys, you're dismissed. See you guys. Love you.